This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. I want to thank you for listening and for all your support as we at Death, Sex, and Money have made our move to Slate. Your stories, voice memos, and emails have meant so much to the team. As part of this transition, there's a new way to support our show financially at Slate, our new home. And you'll get something special in return. Subscribe to Slate Plus, and you'll not only support our work on death, sex, and money, you'll get access to new benefits, including listening to us and all of the other great shows Slate makes, like Slow Burn and Dakota Ring, without any ads or sponsor breaks. To subscribe, just click Try Free at the top of the Death, Sex, and Money show page on Apple Podcasts or visit slate.com slash DSM plus to get access wherever you listen. Thanks. Hey, it's Anna. Earlier this month, as you probably know, Trevor Noah ended his seven-year run hosting The Daily Show. In his final episode at the desk, he said this. I always tell people if you truly want to learn about America— Talk to black women. Yeah, because unlike everybody else, black women cannot afford to f*** around and find out. Black people understand how hard it is when things go bad, especially in America, but any place where black people exist, whether it's Brazil, whether it's South Africa, wherever it is, when things go bad, Black people know that it gets worse for them. But black women in particular, they know what shit is. And he thanked some black American women in particular. To black women who have taught me, all of them, I mean, the scholars online, the, you know, the authors, everybody, the Roxanne Gays, the Tressie McMillan Cottoms, the, you know, I'll remember the names. Listening to this, we were reminded of one of our very favorite Death, Sex, and Money episodes. One I wasn't involved in at all. Tressie McMillan Cottom, whom Trevor Noah mentioned there, was the host, and she interviewed Trevor. I was out on maternity leave, and they sat together in New York and had a lively and lovely conversation about Trevor's mother, depression, masculinity, and they shared more than a few laughs, too. It's a wonderful listen that we first released back in 2019, after Tressie had been on The Daily Show once. She went back on two more times, including during Trevor Noah's last week as host. And just a word about the content of the episode, Suicide, comes up in this conversation. If you are struggling, please reach out. The number to reach the Suicide and Crisis Lifeline in the U.S. is 988.
People get too, like, sad about it. They get too, like, oh, no, you suffer from depression. Oh, Trevor. Well, it's, it's Oh, let me hold we you. We think we're being empathetic. Oh, let me we're hold you. <laughs> oh, child. We're giving and oh, we're being child. empathetic. Yeah, but what we do is we create a stigma without realizing it yeah. because we feel pity for people. This is Death, Sex, and Money. The show from WNYC about the things we think about a lot and need to talk about more. I'm Tressie McMillan-Cottom, in for Anna Sale. And I want to tell you a story about the very first time that I met Trevor Noah. I'm a sociologist, a professor, and a writer. And a few years ago, I went on The Daily Show to talk about one of my new books. And I go home, and of course, everybody, you know, is amped. And it's like, oh, my God, how is it? Everybody wants to know how you smell. I get that question a lot, actually. How it's I very strange. Yeah, no, serious. How good wow. does Trevor, does he smell good? Does Trevor smell nice? Well, I've never, ever thought of that mm-hmm. as a thing. I mean, I, I try to smell uh, clean, but I've never, wow. I know. I've been on the show again since then to talk with Trevor about my newest collection of essays, Thick. But when we sat down for this interview, it was the first time that I was the one asking the questions. This is where I get to be a diva. Once the thing is running, I can kind of do whatever I want. That's that's the job. Right? That's the power that comes with being the interviewer. Now, Trevor's only been an interviewer himself for the last few years. Before landing the Daily Show gig, he worked primarily as a stand-up comic, with sets that focused heavily on his life growing up in apartheid South Africa. And so this, this world is awkward for me growing up because, uh, because I grew up in a mixed family. Uh, well, with me being the mixed one in the family, my, uh, my mother's a black woman, and then uh, my father's Swiss. My mom was arrested for being with my dad. She would get fined. She would get thrown into prison for the weekend. But still, she'd come back, and she's like, Woo! I don't care! I don't care! Woo! Come tell me who to love! I want a white man! Woo! That's from Trevor's 2013 comedy special at the Apollo Theater. And in the six years since then, he has been busy. In addition to becoming the host of The Daily Show, he's continued to tour as a comedian. And then he found time to write a best-selling book about his family and childhood called Born a Crime. Much of the book is about what it was like for him to grow up as a perpetual outsider. And I wanted to know if, after the last few years, that feeling has changed at all. Do you feel like an insider anywhere these days? Does any place feel like home? Once you accept that you may not necessarily fully fit in anywhere you go, then home is where you are. But I'm still as much, like, what's strange is if originally my my outsiderness was defined by the color of my skin in a country that defined you by the color mm-hmm. of your skin, now fame has replaced that. So now I was fame thinking. has made me an outsider in a different way. So now yeah. I do not have my anonymity when I go home. Right. People are, are glaring at me. They're like, there he is, uh-huh. there he is. And so in a way, I've become an outsider again mm-hmm. in a different manner. Has that made fame stranger or more familiar to you? Because I actually, I think fame is actually one of the, the strangest things. Yes. Um, I think especially for someone like you who likes to talk to people, because it feels to me like it's, that's one of the first things it takes away from you. It does. Celebrity removes your anonymity. Uh-huh. Like sometimes it's the weirdest thing. People will literally stop being themselves when I walk into mm-hmm. a room if they know who I am. Yeah. You know, I, I was in a, I was in a Dwayne Reed one time and two guys were packing stuff on the shelves mm-hmm. and they got into a fight about it. And I just stood there and I was like, oh, shit, this is yeah, going to be going funny. Down. This, this is going to be funny. 
you know? And they were just going through an argument. He's like, man, I told you, you, you can't put that. Man, don't be, man, don't be. And then the one guy literally stopped and turned. He's like, oh, 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 hey, 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 hey. He's like, yo, yo, it's Trevor Noah, man. Hey, man. Cut it out, cut it out. <laughs> and then they just stopped. Yeah. And I, I could not believe that my, my world stopped being as normal as it would have been mm-hmm. because people knew who I was. That feeling of sticking out is all too familiar to Trevor. It was illegal for black people and white people to marry under apartheid in South Africa. Trevor's very existence as a child was literally a crime. While he occasionally saw his white father, he spent most of his time with his mother. I was raised in the most powerful matriarchal society ever. You had a country where most of the men who were fighting against the apartheid government were either imprisoned Mm -hmm. or were fleeing to exile or were were in some way ostracized from from engaging in normal society. And the women were holding it down. The women were holding it down. Mm -hmm. And so I grew up in that culture. I grew up in a culture where my grandmother was raising a family. Mm-hmm. My aunt was raising her family. My mother was raising her family. And all of these women raising their families single for different reasons, mm-hmm. but raising them single nonetheless. Mm-hmm. So in my world, genuinely, I grew up I grew up with a warped sense of what the world actually yeah. is. And It must have been so bizarre for you to leave that bubble yeah, and yeah, see that it, the rest of the world did not see this yes, at all. It, it, it constantly is. You know, my mother is fearless. She's fierce. She believes what she believes in. So my mother would tell me, oh, I'm going to dress sexy or, oh, I would, you know, she'd tell me, oh, baby, before you were born, she'd be, uh-huh. I'd, I'd be on the back of a motorbike with my ass out and living my life. And what, and I just, I just, I just understood that this woman was comfortable with all aspects of being a woman. Yeah. And I envy that in her. I still envy her till this day, you know, because I didn't grow up with the same level of confidence. Mm. Um, you know, I, I was plagued by self-doubt my entire life. Mm-hmm. And so my journey is constantly trying to be comfortable in the space and in the body that I'm in. Do you think of your mom as your friend? Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. My mother and I, have we, we have many different roles in our relationship. Mm-hmm. And I think it's very important for a parent to have that. She never wanted me to be a mommy's boy my yes. entire life. And she always used to say to me, she said, the one thing I never want to do is create a world where you're one of those men who's married to his mother. As a black woman who often dates black men, you know, on occasional Tuesdays, it's <laughs> it's interesting. We have that narrative about, you know, mother mothers raise their daughters and love their sons. Yes. And what your mother wanted to have happen here is she was not going to create that beast that she had seen happen yes, for yes. other women. Yes. She it was never a love that was devoid of criticism. Mm-hmm. But one thing that I always loved about my mom, I mean, I hated being disciplined as a kid, but one thing I loved is she never made me feel like the discipline or my punishment mm-hmm. diminished how much she loved me. Mm-hmm. You know, my mother would say to me, I discipline you because I love you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I will tell you that you need to change these things because I love you. But oh, when it came to praise, my mother just praised me for existing. <laughs> She'd just be going like, look at you. Oh. I walk into a room and she's like, who's this boy? Oh, who's, who's, wow, who's his mother? Who's his mother? She's like, man, his mother must be hot. Look at this handsome I face. Say, I think that was as much about your mother loving herself. Definitely. As it was about oh, loving definitely. you. Of course you were amazing. She had made you. Exactly.
Now, if your mother is your friend, do you have a crew? Very close crew, yes. Yeah, what does yes. this crew look like? Like, y'all have... out playing basketball? Or... <laughs> I don't know, I'm trying to... <laughs> no. Um, like entourage? Most of them are from South Africa. Most okay. of them are in South Africa. And thanks to technology, we speak right. every single day, multiple... Like, mm-hmm. what's great about technology is genuinely... I will not be in South Africa for a year. Mm-hmm. I will go back and we continue a conversation. Uh-huh. There's no, oh, so you didn't know this happened in Tressy's life. And mm-hmm. No, it's literally like, so tell me about this guy, Tressy. Yeah. What do you mean? What happened on that date? We just yeah. go we just go straight into it, which I love. And like we we have these sessions where sometimes we'll sit down with each other whenever we've had a trip or a vacation or a group of us have been together for a while. Mm-hmm. And then we just spend a moment being like, hey, I'm grateful for you because of these things that you've done in my life. And these are the things that I've seen grow in your world. This is how I've seen you change. And these are a few of the things I think you can still work on as a human being. And then it's just like, yeah, man, I love you. Give each other hugs. And then it's like, all right, the trip is over. And then we go back are to our lives. Are you serious? Yeah. Well, you're going to live forever. You know that. I, because I think <laughs> that kind of social network, what we know is that especially black men on almost every culture, by the way, yes. don't have those social connections. And right. we think that is why, you know, they're more, they die younger, they have poorer health, they're unhappy, uh, because there are some things that you cannot get from your family. Yes. You cannot get from a romantic relationship that really does have to come from someone who sees the world right. the way you see it. Um, and what you just described sounds like it's, well, oh, well, it's just going to keep you alive forever. Your blood pressure must be amazing. Yes, it's actually very good. See? It genuinely is. I'm very Science. calm as a person. Is your biological clock ticking? <laughs> you don't give it, and because I, I can see you doing your mom's thing and That's going. Funny. Of course, you're amazing. You're like you're me. That's amazing. Yeah. I, can I? And I'll be honest with you. I think what one thing I'm enjoying right now, maybe it's it's the 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 silver lining of social media. I choose to see, but I'm loving how we celebrate that now with men. You know, like you see them like celebrating dads who yeah. are, who are who are being what people would have considered a few years ago extra as dads, you know? Playing with their daughter's hair and dressing Mm -hmm. up with their daughters and dancing to Beyonce's routines with their daughters. Oh, you're going to be so good at doing hair? Are you kidding me? I'm not, I'm going to be. I'm amazing at doing hair. What can you do? What can you do? Girl, you want to blow out that'll blow your mind? Actually, yes, I do. You must understand something about me. First of all, first of all, I had a giant afro. I had cornrows. I've relaxed my hair. I did see this in the book. You had a bad relax. Let me tell you something now. If you want to relax your hair, which I wouldn't recommend, but if you do, and you want someone who's not going to burn your scalp, you come to me. Shut up. Coming up, Trevor on living with anxiety and depression at home, and at work. The head writer at The Daily Show, Dan Amira, I told him one day, I said, hey, buddy, you're going to struggle to see me at work on time in the mornings. Sometimes I'll be on time. Sometimes I'll be early. Sometimes I'll be 15 minutes late because I'm suffering from depression. And sometimes I do not see the purpose of getting out of my bed or living life. And he was like, wait, what? This episode is brought to you by Fail Better, David Duchovny's new podcast with Lemonada Media. On Fail Better, David, who has experienced both low and high-profile failures throughout his life, explores the vast world of failure, how it holds us back, propels us forward, and ultimately shapes our lives. Each week, he will chat with guests like Ben Stiller, Bette Midler, and more about how our perceived failures have actually been our biggest catalysts for growth, revelation, and even healing. 
Through these conversations, he hopes listeners can learn how to embrace the opportunity of failure and fail better together. Fail Better is out now wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. I'm Shankar Vedantam, here to tell you about a great mystery. That mystery is you. As the host of a podcast called Hidden Brain, I explore big questions about what it means to be human. Questions like, where do our emotions come from? Why do so many of us feel overwhelmed by modern life? How can we better understand the people around us? Discover your hidden brain. Find us wherever you get your podcasts. We have had a lot of exciting new things to share with you about the show recently, but this might be some of our biggest news yet. Death, Sex, and Money is officially going to be live in New York City at the Tribeca Festival on June 11th. And I want to personally invite you to the live taping we'll be doing with the legendary journalist Kara Swisher. If you know Kara's work, you know her ability to get people to tell her things is unmatched. And she does it in her signature hard-charging way. She's not afraid of things getting a little combustible. I have a slightly different interview style, so we're going to talk about that and play around with that in experimental ways that I think will make this a special show unlike any of our other live shows up to this point. And it's not often that I get to do a live Death, Sex, and Money show in New York, so I really hope to see you there. Whether you're in the city, on the East Coast, or just been looking for a reason to visit New York City, come on June 11th for this show. You can get tickets now at TribecaFilm.com slash Death, Sex, Money. We are so excited to see you there. This is Death, Sex, and Money from WNYC. I'm Anna Sale, and we're replaying a 2019 conversation between Tressie McMillan-Cottom and Trevor Noah. The episode was recorded in the run-up to the 2020 election, and the conversation turned to identity and how Trevor Noah thought America was still not ready to elect a woman president. You know what I find fascinating, especially in America, the dynamics of how it like it's like it's like um, it's like rock paper scissors of like race, <laughs> race and gender. Class and gender. Yes, it's like it okay, so this beats so. that, but then that beats right. that, and then that beats that. Ah. Because here's what I find interesting, and maybe you could help me with this. Here's the reason I genuinely think it would be harder for a woman to be president in America. Okay, is because at the end of the day, when it all comes down to it. Men stick together. Yes. And I'll be honest with you, one of the hardest things I've been struggling with in my life recently Mm -hmm. is trying to make sense of the fact that women Mm -hmm. are some of the biggest roadblocks to other women. Yeah. I had a close friend share a story of sexual assault with me. Mm Mm-hmm. And I could not believe this had happened to her. Mm -hmm. And then she told me her best friend Mm -hmm. told her, you wanted it. That's why you dressed the way you did. And 
that yeah, you that used to served uh-huh. you right for always thinking you're hotter than all of us. This was her uh-huh. best friend. Yeah. I remember watching footage of women in the 2016 campaign saying, mm-hmm. I don't know if we can have a woman as president. Right. Women are so emotional. Right. Well, there's just so much currency in being the woman who is emotional. I think the difference is men don't benefit from um, when men lose in a conflict. Mm-hmm. They are judged on, yeah, but you fought. Okay. Right. So their sense of self-worth and their participation in the group of men doesn't hinge on whether or not they won or lost the conflict. It's that they just engaged in it. That's right. That's interesting. Hey, he just went in. He took his hits, right? He took his licks. Yeah, he got his ass kicked. But look, he took his hit. For women, we are judged on the winning or the losing. And so there's so much currency in just not being in the conflict that I think— that we there's, huh. there's too much to earn from turning on each other in a way that isn't true for men. Yeah, I, Because, I, one, I can't believe that it's that women hate each other. It's like me understanding that black people internalize racism absolutely right. and, and act it on each other. But I fundamentally can't believe that black people hate themselves and each other. Right. I just don't think that's how we're made up as people. I think the same about women. I that's don't think we're made up. So it must be an incentive that is just so strong. Yes, that, that makes it sense overrides your basic human nature to uh, take care of each other. Yeah, that's what I think. Wow. Yeah. I know that makes us feel good, right? <laughs> you would vote for a woman? You'd vote for a woman? Yeah, easily. Having these kinds of political conversations publicly, that's just one of the many things Trevor's had to get used to as the host of The Daily Show. I've never had a job that starts at a time. Oh. Ever. I've never been a— That's right. So you never did, like, uh, KFC? You never were fast food? No, I I worked at an arcade, but the arcade had weird hours, which was good and bad for me because they say when you—one of the best things to do if you suffer from depression is have routine. Mm Mm-hmm. My entire life wasn't routine. Right. So mm-hmm. this, The Daily Show was the first time I had a job yeah. with routine. How was that? It's fantastic. Yeah. It's beautiful. It's it, because I no longer need to think about what I should be doing. I'm just doing it. My brain has no time to worry about what could be yeah. and what was. The unstructured time. This is why it gives you such a difficult... Exactly. Mm-hmm. Everybody's depression and anxiety has different triggers, mm-hmm. I found. And so I have to remember what my triggers are. Mm-hmm. I have to so for instance what one of the weirdest triggers for me mm-hmm. if I have an extremely productive day I've got to be very careful because the next day I might be depressed Actually I I think I get that but why do you think that is Because what happens is I I can achieve so much in one day mm-hmm. that then when I wake up tomorrow and there's nothing to do mm-hmm. I just feel like it's it's my mind starts spinning and I go well what am I going to do mm-hmm. and I go what's the point of any of this where does it go? What are we doing? And I always say to my friends, like I have, I have friends who we talk about, you you know, depression with. Um, mm-hmm. Many comedians suffer from yes. depression. Yeah. And I don't know if depression is what makes you a good stand-up or good stand-ups end up becoming depressed. I don't know which mm-hmm. way it goes. And one of the, the things I, I, I've, I've noticed, I always tell people is I'm lucky because I'm, I suffer from depression, but I'm an eternal optimist. That's not totally at odds, though, right? right? Yeah. And so what happens to me is I have been thankfully spared from any ideas of suicide uh-huh. because every time I think to myself, 
I cannot go. This is too much. I just right. want to end it all. I always have this thought, Tracy, and I go, all right, if you think you're going to end it all, what would you do before you end it? And I go, okay, first things first, you got to finish all you your money. Second of all, you got to go and tell all these jokes that you've been too afraid to tell. Uh-huh. And what you should do is tell everybody how you feel about them. Uh-huh. And then you should go on TV and also tell people everything you think about <laughs> politics and what's going on in the world. And then I get excited. Man, I should just do those things regardless. Mm-hmm. And so I've, I've come to realize for myself, depression and anxiety occupy two states that are permanent when they shouldn't be. Mm. So when I'm anxious... What I'm doing is I'm dwelling in the future, a future that may not come to pass. When I'm depressed, it's because I'm dwelling in a past that is no longer the present. Mm -hmm. Did you ever worry that uh, the permanence, the the feeling of depression in the moment, that permanence um, was real? Did you always have the optimistic side to it? Even when you didn't have all the money and the fame? Because it seems easier to be honest. I actually think it's harder when you have that stuff ah. because you can no longer tell yourself lies about which which material things will get you out of the rut. Yeah. Because sometimes if you are depressed and you have nothing, you go, if I can just get a bit of money, then maybe I wouldn't be depressed. You know, if I just had, if I just had a girlfriend or boyfriend, maybe I wouldn't be right. depressed. You know, if I was famous, maybe I wouldn't be depressed. Imagine having all of that and being depressed. Mm-hmm. And one thing that's wonderful, surprisingly, contrary to what many people believe, is being comfortable knowing that you you have it. It's like having a bum knee, mm-hmm. you know, and I think that's how we need to treat mental health. Mm-hmm. If somebody said to you, oh, man, I got a bad knee, mm-hmm. then we're just like, oh, so what do you do about that? Uh, I don't squat as hard and I, yeah. I try and do exercises to stabilize the knee. Yeah. And I think that's what we need to do. And so for me, what's liberating is telling people with a smile, oh, I suffer with depression. Uh, and then people will say to me. radical honesty, though. Yeah. Isn't that a trip? And then people go, you don't seem like you yes. suffer from depression. Then I go, no, you're mixing up sadness with depression. Uh-huh. I didn't say I'm sad. I'm happy. I'm mm-hmm. happy and I'm optimistic. And depressed. And depressed. <laughs> and that is a contradiction many people don't understand. That's Trevor Noah with Tressie McMillan Cottom in 2019. Annabelle Bacon produced this episode along with Katie Bishop. You can catch Trevor Noah hosting the Grammys in February for the third time or on his stand-up tour in cities across the U.S. And since this interview, Tracy McMillan Cottom was named a MacArthur Genius Award recipient. She's also become an op-ed columnist for the New York Times and is currently a professor with the Center for Information, Technology, and Public Life at UNC Chapel Hill. Death, Sex, and Money is a listener-supported production of WNYC Studios in New York. Our team includes Liliana Maria Percy Ruiz, Zoe Azoulay, Afi Yellow Duke, Lindsay Foster Thomas, and Andrew Dunn. The Reverend John Delore and Steve Lewis wrote our theme music. I'm on Instagram at Anna Sale Picks, that's P-I-C-S, and the show is at Death, Sex, Money on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Thank you to Brian Meyer in San Diego, California, for being a sustaining member of Death, Sex, and Money and supporting us with a monthly donation. You can join Brian and support what we do here by going to deathsexmoney.org slash donate. And now I'll let Tressie have the last word. If you've already got a big crush on Trevor after listening to this episode, I've got news for you. Not only is he successful, and adorable, and perhaps one of the best male feminists I've ever sat down and spoken with, but the man is also handy. 
I've been to a hardware store at 2 a.m. in New York City. That is, and that should never happen. I had a toilet seat that was wobbly, yes. and then I realized there was like a screw that was loose, and I was uh-huh. like, I need to get the screw. And then I Googled hardware store, and then I went and I got 2 a.m. And the guy at the hardware store wasn't like, hey man, yeah. why don't you wait till the morning? He was like, yeah, I'll fall. Let me yeah, help Yeah, I got you. that. I'm Tressie McMillan-Cottom, and this is Death, Sex, and Money from WNYC. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at Chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's Chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.